The title of today's message is Ambassadors for Christ. And what does that mean? We should be ambassadors for Christ. Let me share a little story. Again, several years ago, I mentioned about going in and out of the country, but several years ago, uh, our family was actually visiting some dear friends who were stationed in Vienna, Austria. And they served with the State Department when they were uh, with us in Israel. Actually, this man was our, our song leader in our church. He had a high position uh, there in the State Department. But uh, one day uh, in Vienna, our friend uh, took us to the U.S. Embassy, one of the missions there in Vienna. It is actually near the IAEA, International Atomic Energy Association. That's there. And uh, anyways, as we were there, uh, this place, we were up on the top uh, couple floors uh, of this building and uh, had a commanding view of Vienna and the, the Danube River. Just beautiful place. By the way, we've been, Vienna's like our second home overseas. Just love, love Vienna. But as we were finishing our visit there at the mission, uh, all of a sudden a man came into the room where we were at uh, and he started talking to us. He asked us our names and then where we were from. And with that, he said, I represent you. This was the U.S. ambassador to Austria, one of the missions there. Uh, We have actually had the privilege of meeting a few ambassadors and other diplomats overseas, and that's always an honor and a and, and, a, and a pleasure to do that. But in a sense, they do exactly that. They represent us while they were there. But in general here, what is an ambassador? An ambassador is actually an official diplomatic agent who is sent out by a ruler or a government as a public representative. Okay? He is sent then to a foreign land, and the ambassador's role is to what? To represent the official position of the sovereign body that gave him that authority. In other words, everything he does is a reflection of this ambassador that we met. Everything he does is a reflection of our U.S. government and policy, and that he's a reflection of that. And so uh, with that in mind, as he's sent there, uh, one important thing to mention, and most people don't realize that every U.S. ambassador is actually hand-selected or appointed by our president. They're hand-selected, okay, for his place of service to represent the country. There's varying degrees of ambassadors uh, that are there, but nonetheless, that's in a nutshell, that's kind of what happens there. And so with this in mind, as we've looked at what an ambassador does overseas, and we are thankful for our ambassadors in the State Department, they do a lot of work for us overseas in different governments that we, we often don't realize and pretty, pretty amazing things that, that take place. But nonetheless, Paul uses a very similar imagery, and it was like that to some degree even back in Paul's day 2,000 years ago, again, occupied by, by Rome in that area. So Paul here actually describes himself as exactly that, an ambassador, an ambassador. And furthermore, He's not just an ambassador, but he encourages, he urges all Christians to consider themselves ambassadors for Christ. Have you considered yourself, you are an ambassador. You are, in a sense, hand-selected by the King of Kings and the Sovereign over the universe to come into a foreign land, this world, to represent, on behalf of Christ, his kingdom here on this earth that is largely hostile to him and his authority. That's, I mean, amazing when you think about that. But that's exactly what Paul is talking about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. As we think about this, Paul, like I said, he's describing himself as well as us as ambassadors for Christ. And this is what? This here, to be an ambassador of Christ, is really a calling that comes from God. And how did it happen? It's because of what he has done through us through Jesus Christ, his son. 
We have been called then to declare the gospel of peace. That's what our publishing the gospel of peace. That's been our, our cry over the past, um, past week, actually, about doing that. Publishing and proclaiming the gospel of peace. We saw last week here, folks, I still can't get over it. We saw what in, in the world news, this would have been impossible seeing a former Muslim in a ministry there in a Jewish ministry together in the same gospel, accomplishing the same purpose, proclaiming the gospel of peace. You can't make this stuff up, folks. This was only of God. Amazing to see what he's done. And so my challenge is for each and every one of us today, I don't care if you've been saved just for a few months or for many years, our job and our goal and our calling is to be exactly that, an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You represent the throne room of heaven here on earth. Wow, that is a huge thought. I want you to take a moment just to think about that. But to this morning, as we look at the ambassador for Christ, we're going to look at a couple things about the ambassador. We're going to look at about an ambassador's credentials. Okay, we're going to look at his role, what he does, and also his message. And we're going to see how that applies here to our, our lives. First of all, let's look at the ambassador's credentials. Uh, what exactly are credentials? Well, when, when an ambassador, when a, when a president uh, selects or appoints uh, someone to be an ambassador for our country for, or for whatever mission. By the way, in Vienna, the U.S. actually has three ambassadors uh, representing different areas. Ambassador at large, and then you have one with the IAEA and one that's associated with OPEC. Okay, it's all situated there in Vienna. But nonetheless, uh, these are all hand-selected by that. And so when a, an ambassador comes to another country, within a short time after his arrival, uh, he presents to himself credentials to the foreign ministry uh, or the head of the leadership, depending on how the country works. And, well, those credentials are basically, it's a letter from uh, the president or whoever has sent him saying that who he is, and basically it's a formality, really. It's a ceremony, but it, that officially begins his ambassadorship in that foreign country at the embassy or at the mission or consulate uh, that's there. And so within that in mind, each and every one of us are also given credentials. What is your authority or what purpose do you have here in this land, in the world, that is anything but against the God of heaven? What is your credentials? And the thing is this, our credentials is the fact that we are at peace with Christ. We are on the same side as Christ. Look at this. Uh, back, look in verse, um, uh, let's begin verse, verse 14. I think that's a good place to start here. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, we are all dead, and that he died for all, that they which should live should not live henceforth unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know he, we him no more. So what this is saying is because of the, the love that we have of Christ, of, of Christ, that constraints to bind us together here, that here's the thing, Christ died for us out of his great love for us. It's now that we love God, but that he loved us and has sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So as we think about this, that because of God's love for us, what he has done for us, our lives should then reflect our love for him and what he has done for us wherever we go. Pretty amazing. And so as we think about this, it says here in verse 16, uh, Wherefore, henceforth we know no man after the flesh, yea, we have known Christ after the flesh. So before Paul was saved, he knew about Jesus, 
but he, did, he only knew him in a physical sense, just simply after the flesh. But after the love of Christ constrained the Apostle Paul, and I pray he's done that in your life as well, that your life has been changed because of the love of Christ. When you came to know him, you know, knew nothing but his love. And that changed your whole view of him. Instead of just a physical person or someone someone talks about, now he's personal and the relationship has changed. That's what Paul is talking about here. Therefore, what it says in verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, new creation. Old things are passed away, all things are become new. It's a new life because of the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts. So, as we think, one, a couple of notes that I want to share with you now. These are not mine. These are actually from Matthew Henry. Uh, by the way, if you get a Matthew Henry, Henry commentary, it's, it's worth it. It's a, it's a blessing. I want to mention that. But two things that, uh, that uh, Matthew Henry relates here in regards to our peace with Christ or our credentials is this. How do we have peace with Christ? How do we have peace with Number one is through regeneration, being born again. Okay, it, within that, in verse 16, we kind of talk about that. We are now not after flesh. We are basically after the spirit. We are now in a different world. We are weaned from the world. We now are from a different, we represent a different body. That's the idea. Okay, and then we also see not only are we weaned from the world, but we also, in verse 17, we have a changed heart. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. The old things that are passed away is exactly our old sin. Our sin nature that Christ has died in our place for. Pretty amazing when you think about it. Our old nature was exactly that of Adam. With Adam, with sin and disobedience in a fallen world. Because of Adam's sin, we sinned all. Okay, because of Adam's fall, we sinned all. This is the idea. That's, that was our life before we are saved. But when we are saved, what? We are saved from the penalty of sin. We have no condemnation now to those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise God for that. Okay, we are saved from the power of sin. There's no one that makes us sin as a believer. It's a choice now. But before then, our, before we were saved, our life was nothing but sin. We lived in that sin. There's nothing in ourselves that could save us. The other thing we are saved from is one day, praise God, the future presence of sin will be eradicated. Think of this. We won't have to worry about hostility. We won't have to worry about someone lying to you, someone... Uh, doing something wrong. We won't have to worry about all that in the presence of God when we get to heaven. One day we'll be saved from the future presence of sin. And that means Satan will be no more. He'll be eradicated. Praise God for that. He is is doomed already, but his doom is sure. Be, Be understanding of that, child of God. So with that, we have regeneration. We are new creatures in Christ. I hope today, if you are here saved, I pray that your life is different than before you were saved. There's a little song we used to sing with the kids, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. That's not a change that you did. It's a change that Christ did in you because of his love for us. Pretty amazing with that. So regeneration is the first credential. The second credential that we have as ambassadors is reconciliation. Verse 18 says, And all, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ has given us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, have, rec- have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Reconciliation. This is, a, is an important word here, okay? And I want to talk first about the privilege of reconciliation. It is a great privilege that we are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. 
Okay, let's talk about what that means, though. What does reconciliation mean? In the, in the scriptures here, reconciliation means to change thoroughly. It's a, to, it's, a, it's a total change. And so this here is a change between God and the lost world. Where once those that were lost in the world were sin and bound in sin and rebellious against God, when they are saved, praise God, their whole credentials have changed. They are now at peace with God. In Romans chapter 5, turn over with me very quickly, hold your place in Corinthians there, but in Romans chapter 5, the first uh, several verses here mention about our justification and um, in, our, in our reconciliation, but I want us to point out here in verse 10, this verse here uh, really well describes our life, what it was like before and after our, our uh, reconciliation with Christ, before our salvation. Verse 10 says this, For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we, have, we shall have been saved by His life. So in looking at this, before we were saved, we were enemies of God. We were fighting against God. And by the way, those who are lost in this sense today, whether they realize or not, they're doing exactly that. They're fighting against God. That's simply because of the sin nature, who we are. But when we are saved, what? We are reconciled to God, by the way, not by anything that you and I can do. There's nothing you and I can do to reconcile ourselves to God. This is totally of God. How do we know that? Because it says here in his word, we are reconciled to God by the death of his son. Because of the death of Christ, that, that's how it happened. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. It's because of the life of Christ that we have now reconciliation or peace with God, that we are changed thoroughly. Again, you, there's nothing you can do to change yourself. That is what God does. Some say, you know, being a Christian, I, I'm just going to try to turn over a new leaf. It's a new day, a fresh start, whatever you may be. And, you know, give A for effort for them. But in spiritual matters, there's nothing you and I can do that is sufficient for us to change thoroughly. We will always come up short. That's why we need to depend and rest fully on the sufficiency of Christ and what he has done for us. That is the gospel right there. And that's the gospel that we, we proclaim. I like what one commentator says this. God does not reconcile himself to, a, to the lost world. Okay? In other words, it's not God saying, I'm going to be at peace with the world. That's not how it works. The world's in a rebellion. Okay? But here's what God does. He reconciles the lost world to himself. He brings people across that dividing line, so to speak, and bring them at peace with him. Therefore, reconciliation, again, is not something that we do but reconciliation is really in a person. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. And where do we find reconciliation? It's at the cross. It's at the cross where Jesus gave his life, body, and blood for us to pay for our sins upon the tree. That's how we are reconciled. That's how we are now changed through. That's how we have peace with God. Again, Going back to Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How desperately the world needs peace, but not just getting along. We talked yes, last week about Jewish and Muslims and you know, the conflict all over the world. You hear it on the news every week. In the world, again, that's impossible for there to be any peace. In fact, I'll be honest with you, it would be a very bad news day if there finally was peace. There would be much to talk about after that. 
But in the courts of heaven, that's the greatest news of all, that Jews and Gentiles and Muslims can come together and have peace with God through the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. That makes the news of heaven any day. Praise God for that. So with that, the place of reconciliation is at the cross. So when we talk about credentials, what Christ has done for us at the cross he gives us, in a sense, a letter of credence. That's what the letters are when ambassadors go to another country. But a letter of credence or credentials to serve on behalf of him in his kingdom. So as, you're regener- as you are now saved, born again, and as you are reconciled and have peace with God, guess what? Those are credentials that you can take here now. Says what on what basis do you have the right to represent God in heaven? I have his credentials, what Christ, not what I've done. This is what Christ has done for me. You understand this, we'll get to a little bit more here, but uh, the, an ambassador does not have his own court and his own audience and his own authority in that country. He simply has the authority that's been given to him by his commander above, by the, our government or by we the people, okay? So with that in mind, let's talk now about who is this person of reconciliation? Who is this mediator? This is Christ, who is our mediator. Go back with me to 2 Corinthians 5. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says this. Here, here is, this is how it works. How can we have peace with God? How can we be reconciled to God? In our sins, we are saved now from our sins. We are reconciled to God. This is how it works in verse 21. For he, God has made him, Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Again, there's no righteousness in our own lives that gives us any authority to do whatsoever on behalf of God. There's a lot of people, as Jesus said, there's people who say, Lord, Lord, and will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Just people who claim to be a Christian or say, I have a Bible or whatever they may say, is not enough. It's what Christ has done for them and people believing by faith. What Christ has done, a life is forever changed. I heard a testimony this week. And Josh, I'll, this is kind of what, what was on that, that meeting the other night. There was a young man, uh, well, a little younger than me. Put it that way, okay? <laughs> you can p- interpret that how you want. He gave his own testimony how he came to know the Lord Jesus as Messiah, a Jewish man here in the Twin Cities. And he gave his testimony that, um, that during COVID, uh, that he was really struggling with his Jewish identity and who he was and... Uh, but make a long story short, what happened was this, that he had a son who was 13 going to be having his bar mitzvah at the local synagogue. And because of COVID restrictions and all that, and because of different things that were going on, they were, the synagogue was not going to allow this man to even attend the bar mitzvah of his own son because of whatever protocol they had, That's whatever they do. But nonetheless, he became really disillusioned, like, are they really caring for me as a person, or are they more concerned about putting on some image or whatever like that. And so, aside from that, it really made him start thinking of what this is all about. He reached out to a friend of mine, Trevor. He reached out and through, um, through talking through the scriptures and understanding who Jesus was, this man, just about a year or so ago, trusted Jesus as his Messiah, a Jewish man here in the Twin Cities. And his life was forever changed. And he is now born again. He's regenerated. And he's now... What? He now is reconciled with God. He now has peace with God. He says, I still have a lot of growing to do, but I'm happy for what Jesus has done for me. He's living for Jesus. Life has changed. He is now then an ambassador for Christ. This is what we have. But what has Christ done? He's our mediator. 
In this, in verse 21, we see three elements of Christ as our mediator. Number one, we see the purity of the mediator. How do we do that? It says here, he knew no sin. Jesus Christ knew no sin. He never sinned once. He's pure. He's holy. He's just. This is our Jesus. We can go to him. We talk a lot about the humanity of Jesus, how Jesus suffered. Now, we, we, there's a lot of preaching about that, and there are some good things we need to know. But Jesus is God, very God, man, very man. He's pure. He's holy. He is the mediator for us. And we can only have a mediator who is pure and holy for us to have peace with God. Okay? We also see the sacrifice of the mediator, that he knew no sin. He was made sin for us. He was the sacrifice for us. He was our mediator. And then what is the goal of the mediator? Is this, in verse 21, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So the key word here, how does this all work? The key word here is found in verse uh, 19, actually, is the word imputation. It's an accounting term, means to put to one's account. And in this, all of our sins were imputed or laid on Jesus' account. They're not on our account anymore. If you go to the gates of heaven, folks, and they said, well, look at the sin of Woody Bridell. And God's going to look there. What sin? There's no sin. They've all been laid on Jesus Christ. He's taking care of that. And the only a pure mediator, a sacrificial mediator, and a holy mediator can do that for us. Praise God for that. All of our sins were laid on Jesus. And with that then, we are appointed the ministry of reconciliation in verse 9. Or 19. Verse 19. He has committed us the word of reconciliation or the ministry of reconciliation. So now that we are reconciled, we are called then to share the message of reconciliation or at peace with the lost world. Okay? By the way, this is not our message. This is God's message. Like I said, uh, when, we, when an ambassador goes to another country, he's not there to toot his own horn. He's not there to simply have his own authority and do whatever he wants there with that government. Uh, but his authority rests on those who gave it to him. Okay? It rests on our government, on our president, whoever sends him. And so this is the idea. When we represent Christ on earth, it's not our authority. It's not our message, folks. It's the message of Jesus Christ. Therefore, the thing is this. When we try to live or we, people try to get to heaven on their own works, on their own good deeds, they're not resting ultimately on the righteousness of Christ. This is why we must surrender to the righteousness of Christ. Therefore, as an ambassador, and the title of ambassador that you have been given, that each and every one of us have been given, is our identity of who we are in Christ. You are an ambassador for Christ. You represent, no, no matter what you think, or maybe you didn't realize until this day, you represent Jesus Christ on this earth. That is a huge privilege. It's also very humbling when you think about that. Because when you get back down to it, it's like, who am I? Who am I that I should represent the king of the universe? Who am I that I should represent Jesus Christ on this earth who gave his life for me? But we do it out of love. That's why the love of Christ constrains us. By the fear of God, we persuade men. That's just a few verses before this. Because of the fear of God and the love that he shed abroad in our hearts, folks, and because that we are now new creatures in Christ, new creation in Christ, we have an awesome responsibility and a privilege to be his ambassador. That's our identity, who we are. We talked to here about the credentials. Let's talk about his role. The, our role is this. In Christ, in verse 20, it says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you, in Christ's stead, in Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
So as we see this, this is our role in Christ's and on Christ's behalf. So in other words, we serve in this role with, should we, we should serve in this role with respect and dignity, knowing that we are sent ambassadors from Christ and for Christ. That's who we are. You are sent from Christ to this earth. Here we are. And for Christ as redeemed people by the blood of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world, we are sent then from Christ, but we are also here for Christ as well on his behalf. I like what uh, J. Herbert Cain, a missiologist, said this. The king has given orders to his ambassadors. They are to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature and make disciples of all nations. All men everywhere, and, and women too, okay, are, re- are everywhere required to repent and believe the gospel. Only by doing so they can be delivered from the dominion of darkness and be transferred to the kingdom of light. Nothing short of world conquest is the ultimate goal. And the king has given assurance that one day the kingdoms of this world are to become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. And as Handel would put at the end, hallelujah. Hallelujah. In other words, there's no ambiguity. There's no cloudiness about this plan and no uncertainty about the outcome. Jesus shall reign. Folks, what an awesome privilege it is for us to be ambassadors of Christ. You are sent from Christ and for Christ. What a privilege that is. Don't neglect that. Serve the Lord with honor and dignity knowing that we are sent here as his ambassadors. With that, that's the ambassador's role. But what's the ambassador's message at the end of verse 20? To be reconciled to God. That's the, that's the power of the message. Turn over with me just very quickly over to Ephesians chapter 6. For those who have been with us for the past several months, you probably have Ephesians 6 very well outlined by now. We talked about the armor of God. That we are in a great spiritual warfare, folks. A great spiritual warfare. And how important it is for us to put on daily and always the armor of God and the pieces that Christ has so graciously provided with this. And here's the thing. And this is the last two verses of this passage. Look with me in Ephesians 6, verse 19 and 20. Look how Paul, the apostle, applies the armor of God and why he needs it. Verse 19 says this. And for me, it's talking about prayer. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may be open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am, what? An ambassador in bonds, in chains, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul, even in, in prison, as he's writing the book of Ephesians here, he's praying that he will have boldness that even though he is physically in chains and bonds, and in prisons, that he would speak boldly and that God would give him uh, that, that great power to do that, that he would speak as he ought to speak. So, folks, Paul twice in 2 Corinthians 5 and Ephesians 6, two times in the New Testament, the word ambassador appears. And guess what? Paul describes himself as ambassador. And here in, now in 2 Corinthians 5, you are an ambassador for Christ. So here's the thing. The power of the message. The power of the message cannot be constrained by bonds and chains and fetters of this world. The gospel message that we proclaim, the gospel of peace, knows no bounds. People say there are closed countries, there are closed hearts, nothing is impossible with God. The word of God can penetrate the hardest heart and make a stony heart into a heart of flesh. That's the power of God. That's the power of the rebirth. 
with this in mind, it's one comment that says, we are not commanded. Here's the interesting thing about reconciliation, about our ministry. We are not commanded to do the work of reconciliation. That's not our job to reconcile people between man and God. Because why? Christ has already done the work. It is merely ours to embrace and to receive it personally and then to share that with others. Charles Spurgeon said this, It is not so much reconcile yourselves as is be reconciled. Yield yourself to him who draws you with cords of love because Christ was given for you. Submit yourselves and yield to the grasp of those hands which were nailed to the cross for you. Folks, I don't know about you today, but if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you do not have peace of God. And it's futile for you to find it on your own, folks, and to strive for it. But by trusting in Jesus Christ and his sufficiency for what he did for us on the cross, his cross work is sufficient. Christ is sufficient. The gospel is there that can change your lives and give peace to a warring heart. God can do that in your life. We heard testimonies last week. We thought with Brother Michael... In human terms, it would have been possible for someone with his upbringing to ever come to know Jesus Christ as a Savior. And God says, let me in, and I'll do a great work in Michael's heart. Isn't that amazing? As we think about that, John Wesley said this. What unparall- talking about this passage here, John Wesley says, What unparalleled and divinely tender mercies are displayed in this verse. Did, the judge ever, did a judge ever urge a condemned criminal to accept a pardon? Can you imagine that? Someone sitting and condemned to death. Hey, you need to take this part and do it. This is what God does for us. He says, does the creditor ever beseech a ruined debtor to receive an acquittal in full? Yet our almighty God and judge not only graciously offers these blessings, but invites us, entreats us, and with the most tender urgency, asks us not to reject them. This is the message. Be reconciled to God. This message here is not for the church at Corinth. This is a message for the lost and dying world. This is our message, the gospel of peace. Be reconciled to God. Be changed thoroughly. And the only way that's going to happen is when you trust in Jesus Christ for what he has done for you on the cross and shedding his blood for your sins and for mine. When you understand that and you believe that, folks... Your life will be changed. You are a new creature, a new creation in Christ. All things are passed away. All things are become new. With that in mind, as we have been reconciled to God, we must proclaim the message that we have received to those who are in rebellion against God to have peace of God by trusting what Christ has done. You know, it's interesting that one day, as happens with some governments, one day God will recall his ambassadors of peace home. And guess what? True war will break out on this earth. We are here to proclaim not a gospel of war, but a gospel of peace. But the time is short. The Lord's return is at hand. There was some, we had a visitor last uh, Saturday actually, asked me this question and trying to know about the church. Does your church ever preach about uh, the end times or prophecy or about the return of the Lord? And I said, well, of course we have a prophecy conference, which will be next spring, okay? (laughs) But also the thing, yes, we definitely believe and where appropriate we do mention that one day Christ is coming back, folks. That's not a hope so, that's a no so. We know it's going to happen. Are we prepared for that in this In this time, are we taking our calling and responsibility to be ambassador of Christ to represent his kingdom here on earth? Are you doing that? Are you doing it with honor? Are you doing it with dignity? Are you doing it with obedience and purity in heart as you do that?
Christian, you are an ambassador for Christ as you have been approved by God and entrusted with the gospel. Even though we are in this world, as the Bible said, we are not of this world. We, therefore, represent another kingdom. Therefore, as ambassadors for Christ, we are responsible to reflect the official position of heaven. Not your own, okay? We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to take the message of our king to the ends of the earth, beginning in Jerusalem, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile, and therefore proclaim the gospel of peace. Declare to men and women, boys and girls everywhere, that they should be reconciled to God. With that, my challenge is to us. Be an ambassador for Christ. He is worthy. 